We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith, and even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Hey, man, how are you? Well, man, doing well yourself. <clears throat> Very well. How's the weather in Missouri? You know, it's getting colder. It's not Scotland cold. Uh, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, it's been a warm fall, so I'm, I'm happy to feel it finally cooling down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on again, brother. I appreciate that. Definitely. It's always, it's always a blast, and I always uh, love to learn more things about Spurgeon. So you were actually, ironically, our first interview that we ever had. Um so uh, I remember, man. I remember <laughs> from back in the day. We've kind of upgraded and got a little better since then. This is the Daily Brew. are here with Dr. Christian George. He is uh, the moderator for the Spurgeon Library at uh, Midwestern Theological Seminary. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Adam. So I know you have a brand new volume coming out on the hidden, uh, or the lost, not hidden, the lost sermons of Charles Spurgeon. Now, what's new with this uh, this most recent uh, series? Yeah, so this is the second volume of 12 of sermons that Charles Spurgeon preached when he was only a teenager. So he's preaching from the ages of 16 to 19. And so volume two is uh, is the second uh, edition of that. And it's amazing to see kind of the development of Charles as a preacher. You know, we often think of Spurgeon when he goes to London and he's preaching, you know, to thousands of people. But here is just this teenager trying to figure out how to be a preacher. And so he's making mistakes. And uh, it's just fascinating to, uh, to see kind of him grow in this capacity. That's awesome. Is there anything that you learn new about Spurgeon ministry with uh, this these years that you're going through uh, or that are being released? Every time I turn the page, I learn something I didn't know before. I mean, no one has turned these pages in over a century and a half. Uh, what I'm learning about Charles is his, his zeal and his energy. You might call it a holy hustle. You know, he's preaching 12 times a week, often a different sermon every single time. And if you're a pastor, you can just imagine how taxing that would be. So Spurgeon is burning his calories for Christ, and these sermons are longer. They're not just one-page skeletons like he started in Volume 1. You know, these are two or three pages, four pages, and eventually that that will progress to about 17 pages by Volume 9. 
was just fascinating, uh, you know, to see this young, zealous um, teenager doing what he feels God is calling him to do. Um, Spurgeon is sometimes uh, stereotyped as being a topical preacher and um, not paying, I, I wouldn't say not paying attention to the context, but more focused on the topic that he is preaching. Do you think that's a, a fair stereotype? And do you think that, uh, or would you categorize him as a topical preacher uh, as opposed to an exegetical preacher? I would not. I would call him a text-driven preacher. There's only one or two sermons in these early manuscripts that does not have a text. Uh, he preaches one in volume one called Regeneration, and that has no text. Uh, he does follow the context of his passages, but he does it very creatively. He does it organically. And again, he's not so much concerned about preaching the perfect sermon. He's concerned about saving souls for Christ. And, uh, and so it's fascinating to see some of the conversions he, he jots in the margin of some of these sermons. You know, people are, are flocking to this little chapel in Water Beach to hear Charles preach. Uh, it started out as only 30 people, and it swelled to almost 500 in two years. And so God's hand is clearly on, on this young man. Uh, but he does preach very extemporaneously, very much off the cuff. Of course, he can hold eight thoughts in his mind, he confessed, in a single moment. And so it is a da Vinci of, of a mind. I mean, that's what young Charles Spurgeon is showing us in the second volume of sermons. Um, I know um, just from reading, and uh, we had the joy at my congregation of Dr. Tom Nettles come, and he actually spoke on Spurgeon um, a few months back. And he brought up uh, this book called Wonders of Grace, and in it he talks about how something that's not uh, common in our church these days is uh, membership interviews, and that Spurgeon and his, his ministry is very much focused on interviewing uh, members before they came into congregation. Can you speak to that at all? I'm not sure if you've actually read that book or imagine that you have being a, a Spurgeon scholar, but can you speak to why Spurgeon may have saw that as an important aspect to interview those who are going to be coming into membership rather than just accepting everyone who raised their hands? Yeah, so Wonders of Grace is a book published by the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and it contained information from their minute books. Uh, of course, this is after Spurgeon moves to London. Uh, he, he begins this massive undertaking of actually sending his, his staff to the houses of the people who claimed to be regenerate, who claimed uh, to want to join the Tabernacle. And some of the interviews are amazing. You have people like George Warren, for instance, this alcoholic guy who beat his wife and didn't go to church. In fact, he got so mad that his family, his wife and his children were going to church, he locked them out of the house, and he burned their Sunday clothes. And yet he hears Spurgeon preach and converted. And all of a sudden you have this, you know, this, this guy with these deep problems, and he's going to church. He said he would, he would walk dozens of miles one way just to hear Spurgeon preach. And that's just one episode in that book, Wonders of Grace. Uh, there, there are thousands of those kind of accounts that come from Spurgeon's later ministry, and also from his early ministry. That's one thing we're discovering in the Lost Sermons. People who were struggling with deep sin are being redeemed, and they're being regenerated. And, uh, you know, this little town of Waterbeach, you look at the crime reports. Uh, crime, uh, it basically disappears under Charles's ministry there. So it's fascinating to see God get a hold not only of Spurgeon's heart, but also the heart of those in his congregation. Mm. 
And I saw a random thing that I was curious about, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. This is a very random, obscure question for this time period uh, revolving around Spurgeon. I, I didn't know this, but apparently Jack the Ripper was attacking during the time period that Spurgeon would have been pastor in London. Do you know if he ever spoke to that or ever addressed the issue or uh, anything of nature? Yeah, I so I wrote a blog about it, um, Spurgeon and Jack the Ripper, uh, on our website, Spurgeon.org. And uh, he actually preaches a sermon, and he indirectly references the great murders at Whitechapel, uh, which is fascinating, uh, because he lived through it in the late 1880s, I believe it was. Spurgeon was always very in tune with his surroundings. He would often preach a sermon based on uh, what was happening in the news, whether it was an accident or whether someone had been murdered. And so there is a connection there, and I would, I would defer you to my blog. It may have been actually where I saw that, just following you and your writing with, with Spurgeon. So it's very likely where I saw the connection, and I think that's uh, very interesting. So we always try to toss in one or two fun questions for our listeners as well. So whenever uh, you're not researching Spurgeon stuff, what do you do for fun? <laughs> you know... Um, I mean, that is fun, so... I, so. <laughs> I like... Well, it is fun, yeah, absolutely, but... Uh, you know, I do martial arts, and so I enjoy doing that. Uh, I play soccer. I love table tennis. I challenge all of my students. If they can beat me in table tennis, I'll give them an A for the entire semester, no questions asked. <laughs> and so I love, you know, I, I love uh, physical activity, but also just reading books and movies and um, uh, anything, anything of that sort. I think we need, you know, as scholars, we need some kind of physical outlet in order to fuel our brain and our mind. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I do all of that. Rebecca and I, uh, we travel sometimes and, um, it's important to kind of expand your horizons beyond your delimited scope of research. Mm, awesome. Where's the coolest place that you've been, uh, researching while researching Spurgeon? Hmm. A few weeks ago, I was in Colchester, um, where Charles Spurgeon's grandfather lived and Spurgeon was a little boy when uh, he would attend his grandfather's church and hear him preach, he would sit inside the pulpit, which looked like this box, as his grandfather was preaching. And uh, and so to go to places like Colchester and Stanbourne, where his grandfather lived, and to see kind of his, his roots, you know, where did he come from? That was fascinating. And, and again, uh, you know, Adam, I'm just at this. I'm learning every day that I had absolutely no idea about. And so this is a learning opportunity. This is a journey. Uh, I am far from being arrived. I'll mm -hmm. never arrive. But it's fascinating to see how God could use somebody like Spurgeon, a teenager, mm. committed to preaching the gospel and following his, his God's call in his life. And my hope is that God is raising up future Spurgeons and better than Spurgeons, you know, people who are not so concerned about fame but faithfulness. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show. It's always a joy to have you back on, and uh, it's definitely uh, a joy learning more about Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, and let me just say, you know, if you want more information about the Lost Sermons, they're all half off right now. Volumes 1 and 2 is 50% off uh, at, at LifeWay's website. And so I would defer you to that and also to our own website, Spurgeon Library, Spurgeon.org. Mm. Amen. Thank you for those resources, and we will definitely check those out. You have a blessed day, sir. You too, Adam. Thanks.
Listen up Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us. Snappies make us happy. Okay, that was just weird. Whenever we get a craving for something to eat, where do we at the Daily Brew go? We go to Snappy Tomato Pizza on Washington Pike. If you go to Snappy, you're certain to get the best tasting pizza in town. Snappy's pizzas are made fresh daily with a large selection of toppings. If you're planning on inviting your buddies over for the big game, ask for the beast. It's 24 slices and over 6 pounds of deliciousness. Snappy Tomato. Quality pizza. We love Snappy. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that this broadcast will be used to strengthen your faith and your love for the local church. The Daily Brew is a listener-supported broadcast. We exist because of generous donors such as yourself. If you're interested in having your business advertised on our show, please reach out to us through our Facebook page or our website at www.yourdailybrew.com.